You're listening to SM Media, the number one place for exclusive Scottish football content. Hi folks and welcome to the latest episode of the Scottish Women's Football Show on SM Media. I'm Scott McPike, it's an absolute pleasure to be your host as always. We've had a bit of a, a break over the past few weeks, there's not been a lot happening in terms of obviously a lot of games been called off, we've obviously had Christmas and New Year and it's obviously been a quiet time but we're back to kind of full league action. We obviously had the Scottish Cup last week and we, if you want to see that you can look at our match reports on the website. And obviously we're back to full league action this week and it's an absolute pleasure to welcome this week's special guest, current Stenhouse Muir forward Helen Templeton. Helen, welcome to the show. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on. Thanks very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm looking forward to this. It's been a, it's, we've, all, we've been trying to get this done for a while, but call-offs and kind of Christmas has been getting in the way, isn't it? But it's an absolute pleasure to finally get you on. No, it's good to be here, albeit just slightly uh, bunged up with the flu, but um, we'll see if I, if I can do my best tonight for you. Absolute pleasure, looking forward to it. There's a, there's a lot to get through, obviously, we've had some, some kind of big action over the past few weeks, and we'll just obviously talk about your, your time at Stenhouse Muir. So you've obviously had a, a kind of bit, a bit of a difficult time with injury and things like that, and as you say, kind of flu and things like that. How you been? How's how's it been at Stenhouse Muir this season? It's been a, as we know, it's a... A big league, there's a lot of talented teams in it. Stenhouse Muir are currently sitting fourth and 26 points from 13 games. It's a good, it's been a it's been a solid season so far, you would say. Yeah, you, you've just doubted me there because I had kind of kept my injury under wraps. Um, I just kind of floated out of the, the game a few weeks ago and I've not really told told many folk what happened. But um, since joining Stenhouse Muir, obviously it was, a, it, it was a decision that I'd taken to leave St Johnston prior to obviously going to Stenhouse Muir because just to travel and then in all fairness, I was just after a bit more game time. Um, in your latter years, the last thing you want to do is sit on a bench and uh, bench warm. So I wanted to just make sure in the years I had left that I was playing. So when I went to Stenhouse Muir, I actually felt like I, I, had a, I had a good run in the first few games. Obviously, I think I missed the first five. Uh, so I joined them five games in and then I went on a good wee run. Um, trying to reinvent myself as a as a forward striking player rather than a, a winger. I think you'd probably agree with me that as you get older, trying to play out on the wing uh, and competing against like 18, 19 year olds just gets tougher and tougher. So um, I, I made the decision to try and uh, play my trade up top. And um, I it, it went really well. I think seven, I think I was six goals in seven or seven goals in eight games or something when I started Stenny. So um, I was really pleased with that. And then uh, just an innocuous fall recently in a, in a game wasn't even a bad tackle in it and just um, took my MCL out so I, I, I didn't rupture that sorry I tore that um, having feared it was ruptured but um, no operations are needed and I've just been doing my rehab and I'm really close at the moment to now uh, getting myself back involved in the game so hopefully you'll, you'll see that pretty soon um, but I'm just hoping that I can I can come back in where I left off really that's always the fear isn't it that yeah time out and uh, injury and uh, illness as well on top of that can kind of knock you from your stride but um, the gaffer's had you know put his trust in me and hopefully he'll feel that I've repaid that up to this point and uh, yeah I'm keen to get back and, and see if I can get the ball in the back of the net some more times this yeah. season. 
obviously as well, like you said, like reinventing yourself and kind of changing your game and things like that. Like as well, like Stenhouse Muir, you kind of went there. The kind of leadership thing as well. How's it? How does it feel like when you're you're now at a stage where you're kind of more of a kind of leader towards younger players? How's that? Does that kind of put more pressure on you? Is that now that you've kind of reached that stage in your career? What does that kind of feel like? I think personally, it's something that I kind of relish. You know, I feel really privileged to have been able to have been in the game for as long as I have, and you, you like go full circle. Mm. Um, I started off my career as a captain at high school, and then um, through the university level, and then. Um, you know, I've done my time listening to older players, learning from them, learning from the management. Um, so by now, I kind of feel like it's my turn to give that back and try and encourage uh, the younger folk through the game. And whether, you know, whether, you know, they want to listen to what I'm saying or not, is completely up to them. But um, there is a young squad at Stenhouse Muir and there's a couple of us in there at the moment. But uh, I am the oldest. You won't be surprised to hear. Um I know you, you're, you're sitting there going, no way, she's 38, no danger. Uh, but yeah, 39 this year. So I think it's it's probably my turn to try and put my arm around a few folk and encourage them on. And hopefully, um, as I said, in, in the, the few games that I've had at Stenhouse Mayor, I've been able to do that because, you know, there is a lot of youth and a lot of exuberance and the pace and the speed and the stamina that maybe I don't have anymore. But um, I, I think, you know, there's a place for I always argue this is always a place for uh, the older players in our squad, mm-hmm. um, and I, I think that's going to be key for me this season to try and uh, you know support support the younger ones into the into the game. And like the the kind of way the leagues have went as well, obviously from when you started to now, there's so many kind of there's so many more opportunities for players as well. How's that been? Like a, a league you mentioned, there's a lot of young players coming through as well. It must be great for where you where you kind of started to see now just how much the game's grown. Do you know, I actually was thinking this earlier when I was thinking about, you know, what we might be talking about tonight on the show. Like, it's such a privilege to have been, like, a, a part of the journey and the growth of women's football in Scotland. Um, it sounds so cliche, but when I was playing, you were playing in strips that were 10 sizes too big, that were hand-me-downs from the local men's team. Um, and, you you know, you were changing in the back of cars because there was no change of facilities for women and the guys were in there using it at the same time. So, like, yeah, it's just mad. and and the the, the fact that there are now fully professional clubs in the Scottish setup is incredible. Um, I just got it that I missed it by just a couple of years there uh, to get my spot, but um, it really is like incredible how much the women's game's grown. The amount of teams that are now formed and 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 beginning. I seen I saw recently on the SWFL um, or the Scottish Women's page that there's now like a good few amount of uh, teams that are formed in this new league. Um, so it is incredible and. You know, I think there's so many opportunities now for young girls to get into it. Mm-hmm. And when I look back, it, you know, it's a, it's bittersweet, I think, where I could have gone maybe if there had been those opportunities when I was younger. But for now, for the kids coming through, like, to have that aspiration, I, I'm a teacher, I've got kids at school that are, you know, mega keen on football. And I, you know, I want to be like Lizzie Arnott, and I want to do this, and I want to do that. And back in the day, you might have been like, you know, you'd be, you'd be chancing your arm there. But nowadays, there's so many opportunities and pathways. It's, it really is incredible. Yeah, absolutely. And your your own career as well, obviously, we'll do a, a wee bit of reflection in your your career obviously spent time a lot Hamilton Rangers. They're probably the two you would say, like St. John's was another one. But Hamilton, you you're remembered for I spoke to a couple of Hamilton fans and they they think a lot of you. Like there's a you must have had some great memories in the game. Like what kind of stands out in your, your career? Do you know, like I've read articles before where where managers and things have commented on how many clubs players have been at over their career. Um, but you got to remember that I think I'm on to Club 11 now, but my career stems from, well, I started playing the game when I was four. 
so 34 years I'm, I'm in it um, and I started playing for a senior club when I was 18 when I came down to university so uh, I have had my fair share of clubs but the ones that stand you know you've got different memories from everywhere but obviously being a Rangers fan myself playing for Rangers was was huge for me but that was a bit bittersweet as well I feel like personally I'd maybe gone there uh, a few years later into my career if, if I'd gone there maybe six seven years earlier I might have might have had more of an impact and inevitably left there for through lack of game time and um, so that was a bit bittersweet to, to be able to play for the club that you've supported all your life is incredible um, and nobody can take that from me but um, like I said a bit bittersweet in the way that ended. Um, Hamilton is where I spent, spent most of my years actually and I was thinking about this today like I've always been a player that once I'm there I'm 100% committed and I suppose latterly, as I get a bit older, that that may have changed because priorities in life change. I've got full-time job, I travel and things, and etc. But um, I was a bit fancy-free when I was a student, so um, Hamilton was where I stayed for I think eight eight or nine seasons. Um, and again, I had a lot of game time at Hamilton, but I was never really probably a consistent starter over a season. I would have my spells in and out. Um, but like I said, that's where I played my trade really in this, uh, uh, you know, in the top level at that point, Hamilton were in the Premier League. Obviously you mentioned that the, the leagues have changed over the years, but um, aye, so that was where I, I made most of my, I had most of my time playing against your Caroline Weirs and, you know, your Joe Loves and all your top international players. And um, I suppose I'm really grateful for that opportunity. So that was, yeah, that's probably a, a really good memory. But again, you know, playing, Premier, Premier League, one of the things I think that we need to remember in this country is some of the leagues underneath are really competitive and you get some incredible football in those leagues. I was involved in um, the league last last season when it was just seven or a couple of seasons ago at Muir. I honestly think that was one of the most competitive leagues you would have been able to, to watch football. Um, and then obviously my time at Motherwell was quite successful. I think we won. I think we went through a season winning every game, not dropping any points and winning the, the, the cup as well. So uh, I lots of good things to to think back on when I'm older. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, it's it's been a really good career you've had so far, and we'll touch about kind of later on about what your kind of plans are after playing. But we we have some kind of league action to discuss. I want to get your thoughts in the kind of games over the the weekend. We'll start in the SWPL one. Celtic, obviously, with Clarissa Larissi has joined Hacking, but they you wouldn't have thought that affected them after the performance on Sunday. An 8-0 away victory over Glasgow women. Amy Gallagher continuing a terrific run with four goals. Natalie Ross, Hayes, Jacinta and McInerney with the goals to give Celtic an 8-0 away victory. Again, obviously Clarissa Larissa is going to be a big loss, but Celtic is that some display one in 8-0 when Amy Gallagher's in a really good run of form. Do you know, it's uh, I was looking at this result last week when they played, was it last week or two weeks ago when they played Falkirk? Um, and, and I actually thought, do you know what, the gulf between uh, Celtic and the majority of teams in Scotland is just incredible. It's it's kind of comes back to the point where you've got a full-time professional team playing against, you know, other teams who, like anybody else, usually goes to training twice a week or three times a week, four maybe max, but they're carrying out full-time jobs at the same time and the influx of money that comes into the clubs is, is very, very small in comparison. Um, you, you can't question the, the quality that Celtic have all over the place. I would I would argue that, you know, I know you've got your top three consistently throughout the season, but I would argue that Celtic are maybe up there with with a, in the top two this season. Um, so for me, it was always going to be a Celtic win. 
Um, the quality throughout is just incredible. But for me, Glasgow women, I've got a couple of, a couple of friends that play there, a couple of ex-teammates, actually. One of the Stenhouse Mew girls has, has gone there this week. Mm -hmm. um, and I think for them, it would have been maybe a bit remiss to have expected to take points from that game just yeah. because of what we've spoken about. Um, so, you know, I think they'll probably go away and evaluate and have a look at, you know, the the eight goals that went past them. I'm sure um, not all, I'm sure, sorry, some of them would have been preventable and that's what they've got to look at. But um, no disrespect to Glasgow women, but Celtic are just too too strong. And see, you know, there was a couple of uh, kind of conversations during the week about obviously Larissa going to Sweden and things like that, saying that it's, that it's a bad look for the Scottish game. Do you go along with that? Because obviously... She has been a big player for Celtic, but it depends on the offer you can get. And obviously, the Scandinavia, there's still a lot of money and there's still a lot of kind of progress in that side of kind of football as well. What's your kind of thoughts on that transfer? Listen, football's football, isn't it? And and it, this is where we ha we are now kind of finding ourselves in comparison to the men's game. In essence, I don't think the women's game and the men's game is ever going to be fully comparable. But we're now having to compete for for players. All Do you, I don't know if you remember, like when I first started playing, there was no players from out with our country that played mm -hmm. in Scottish football um, and in the men's game it's the complete opposite you wouldn't you wouldn't rely on your players within your country you would always go elsewhere and that's that's kind of the nature of the sport so I think women in the women's game are kind of having to find ourselves in that position where we are looking elsewhere and Glasgow City were probably the team in Scotland that led the way in that and trying to you know bring in international players um, and foreign players so I mean, I, I, it is what it is, and, and you're going to go to the club that, that best suits you. And, and, and you know, whether the women's game will go in that direction where money is uh, is the most important thing, fair be it. Like we've we've just seen Ronaldo going abroad, yeah. um, probably for the the cash signs. But uh, I've got no problem with it, and I and I think that it's not a it's no detriment to the Scottish game that players are looking to go abroad and vice versa. Like it is what it is. It's how football works. Yeah, and Celtic, obviously, they, we, we spoke about it uh, the earlier part of the season, obviously, with Charlie Wellens going as well. We thought they would struggle to replace those goals. They're, they're certainly doing well, and Amy Gallagher's been a big part of that as well. But Glasgow City, obviously, continue their good run at the top of the, the league. They're, they're still six points clear, an 8-1 win away to Dundee United. Erin Green with a hat-trick, Lisa Forrest with a double, goals with Lauder, Whelan and Davidson. Obviously, Leanne Ross is now as the interim head coach. She's, if she's looking to to get the job full time, she's certainly doing her chances no harm. No, I've been watching the the results coming in over the last few weeks, and sometimes it's really difficult to step up from that player to assistant and assistant, obviously to gaffer. But um, again, Dundee United are a really good side. They were in the league I played in when we when we were um, when I was at Boroughmuir, mm -hmm. and they stepped up. They, it was a really they were a really difficult side to beat. Um, most recently I played them with St Johnston and again uh, a, a difficult side but when you put them up against Glasgow City and you've got the likes of uh, Chinchilla and uh, like you said Davison these guys are on the score sheet every week regardless of who they're playing so um, it is a tough one but I, I think Leanne is doing a fantastic job she's an incredible she was an incredible player she, she has everything that she needs to know um, in her head and um, she's more than doing herself proud in that in that role as, uh, in, as her manager mm -hmm. And obviously Glasgow City and Celtic, the, the thing, obviously, they're in a, a good position in terms of kind of trying to kind of get the title off Rangers. Do you think Glasgow City are the, are the type of side to to get it back? Do you think they're in a, a position? They're obviously sitting six points there. Rangers and Celtic obviously have games in, a game in hand. But, they're, I mean, they're in a really good position. We've got kind of right back scoring hat-tricks as well. That's It shows you the, the talent they've got stacked throughout that squad. 
Uh, well, Glasgow City are a team of champions. They have been in Scottish football for such a long time. And I, I think it would be, um, again, remiss of us to think that because other teams like Celtic and Rangers and, uh, are coming through and they're, they've got the professional set up too, that suddenly City are just going to fall at the wayside. Um, if you look at their squad, it's, it's, it's quality all the way through and they've got options on the bench that most teams would, uh, would, would, do, a, would do a lot for. But for me, Glasgow City are probably out to make a point. They've watched uh, Rangers take it last season and, and they won't be happy to, to take their hands off that cup for too long. So um, I think they're more than capable and, and, and in all fairness, it would be it'd be a tough job to take it off them. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Rangers obviously were held to a now now draw by Hearts. Uh, Hearts, fully, full credit to them. Saw the game. Really, really impressive display from Hearts to hold Rangers to a now now draw. Kind of big, big for both sides as well. Hearts, obviously, there is a gap between the top three, as we've spoken about many times, but these are the type of games where Hearts will be desperate to try and do something. And obviously, as well, these are the type of, like, obviously, the top three, they have, they have kind of been beating everybody else quite comfortably, but this is the kind of first time where a team's dropped points to a team outside the top three. So it shows you that, that it can happen, and Hearts are more than capable of, of giving them a game. Yeah, I mean that result's turned heads, hasn't it? It's it's an incredible result, and and obviously Hearts are celebrating that like a win, which which you would when you're taking yeah, points definitely. off the champions. Um, I, I actually read the heart the Hearts uh, match report, and Eva had said that one of the things that she found most um, like the best way to plan and prepare for that game was to just instill belief in our players because the majority of teams in our in that league don't believe that they can take points off the top three. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one of the things that she focused on in the lead up to that game, and I think you would you would agree that that was obviously a very good yeah. uh, way to approach it. But I think she said that they tried to match them defensively and in midfield, and admitted, albeit that, and you would expect in the second half that they dropped a bit deeper. But um, I think they frustrated them, and, and you could probably count on one hand how many teams have been able to uh, one stop Rangers scoring against them this season, uh, and two take points off them. Yeah, absolutely. Some result for Hearts as well. Aberdeen, a, a big difference in the past few weeks as well. A 2 0 win at home to Hamilton, Stewart and Hutchison with the goals. Aberdeen, obviously, the the managerial change in the past few weeks, but it, they, they have been in a really good run as of late. And obviously, they're, they're now at ninth. They were in a really poor position a few weeks ago and they've turned it around quite well. They're a team full of really young, switched on players and players that like having played against them a couple of seasons ago that just don't stop running. I don't know if you saw the goal. Did you see the goal? I think it I've came from the it. left back. Yeah, one of, I, did, I, I didn't see the other one. Yeah, I, I saw one of them. Uh, that ball, I think, beat nine players. Mm-hmm. Um, and in all fairness, I thought that Billy had maybe taken a, a touch too many before she slotted it away, but it was a really cool finish. Um, Aberdeen are they're a team that they're really sticky and they never give up. So for me, Ham- I was thinking this earlier, obviously, Hamilton as well are a team who have had success in promotion from the league below and then they've bobbled about in that league and then they've been relegated again and teams like Aberdeen have, have climbed and they've been steady in their climb um, so yeah I think uh, I think I probably would have taken Aberdeen prior to the game if I'm being honest but um, aye, there's there's talent in there that if you foster it well enough that they'll, they'll be there for a while and uh, they will, they'll climb that league I think what about your old club, Hamilton? What, they're obviously now sitting at 11th. I, I think they've had a couple of good results. Obviously, they'll want to get some more wins in the board. It's, it's tough. I think you've got a lot of sides at that kind of bottom half of the table who are kind of much of a muchness like in terms of it's going to come down to results against each other of who's going to stay up, who's going to kind of climb the table. 
what kind of where, where do you think kind of Hamilton are in that regard? I find it I find it a frustrating one actually to think about Hamilton. They're a, they're a great. I know Gary Doctor well, and obviously I played under him. He's been there since I left. Um, very switched on. Knows exactly what he wants to do. He's got a great group of players there. Um, very capable. Took points off us when I was at Boromir quite a few times. So they're a, they're a good outfit. But teams like Motherwell started two or three leagues below them and have overtaken them. And um, Aberdeen are the same. Dundee United are the same. So like it's. The question I'm asking is what 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 is it about Hamilton? They attract good players, mm -hmm. but what is it about them that they they can't you know galvanise their place in that Premier League? I think that's where they belong, and I think that's where they should be. Um, but they always seem to be fighting in about the bottom of the the relegation zone every season, and I feel for them because I, I do think that they deserve to. Um, well, you only get out of this game what you put in, don't you? But They've, they've tirelessly worked hard every season to try and, and just get a wee bit higher off the bottom of that table. And um, yeah, I just, I just begged, begged to ask that question, how teams like Aberdeen and Motherwell and that, who really are not really that far away from them, um, seem to attract, you know, a, I wouldn't say a higher quality player, but, um, you know, attract players that are able to do the business, shall we say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We'll move on to Habs, a 2-0 victory away to Motherwell. Shannon McGregor and Katie Lockwood with the goals. Big result for Hibs as well. Can I been an up and down season so far, but I, I, that's a big three points. Hibs at the start of the season, you know, turned my head because I was thinking they had a few results there that were questionable. Um, but again, they're another team of champions who, although haven't uh, managed to to win the the league for a, a few years now, they they certainly are not going to bow down and make it easy for teams. But um, Again, they've got quality players all over the place, and um, I think they've got got it in their sights to also try and become full time um, professional. So, in order for them to do that, they've got to start winning these games. Um, but I mean, there are a couple of places above Motherwell on the table. It would have been a tight one to have predicted that, but um, I think they've played again, haven't they? Previously, the season where Motherwell took that game. Mm -hmm. Am I right? I can't quite yeah, remember. I um, so it's probably eaksy peaksy between the two of them, but they, they've shown their class yesterday. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think they have as well. And Partick Thistle, final game in the SWPL1, Partick Thistle 3, Spartans now. I've been quietly impressed with Partick Thistle because they've got likes of Cara Henderson, Rachel Donaldson, both scored obviously at the weekend as well. Ferguson added the third. They've got kind of big players and they always contribute. And they're, I mean, they're sitting top six. That'll be undoubtedly their target to get into that top half of the league. And they're going yeah. about it well. They're just sitting there. They're doing there. They're quietly going about their business. They're they're a good. I think they're a really really under the radar side in this division. Well, again, this is another team that um, have have climbed the ranks over the last few seasons and uh, and and proved their quality against top teams. Um, I've got again another another few players that I've, I've played alongside mm -hmm. over the years in that squad who are still managing to kick on at the highest level. Um, but again, to to be beating Spartans three 0 Spartans have got to be disappointed with that. Spartans are a team who they're never in the relegation zone and they're never really past the top into the top four. Um, they always kind of sit mid table, but uh, Partick Thistle just have attacking qualities. And I think Cara, I think that uh, Cara girl that you mentioned had left and then came back, resigned again. Um, but they're a really well, uh, a really well organised side. Tough to beat, tough uh, to break down their defensive lines with big Cheryl McCulloch at the back um, and going forward, they're dangerous. So Spartans have, uh, have suffered of that one. Yeah, definitely. But it's obviously been a big weekend in that league. We'll move on to SWPL2. Uh, result to talk about, I think a big result in, in 
the two sides, obviously, league leaders got Cairn were 2-0 down to Stirling Uni, came from behind to make it 2-2. Stirling Uni, obviously, they'll be, they'll be gutted. You're 2-0 up away to, the, at home, away to the league leaders and you don't win the game. But on the other hand, they'll be thinking that was a, we've, we've shown a lot there. But Gart Cairn, obviously, when you're 2-0 down, it's a sign of champions if you come from behind and get something out of the game. You know, I've debated this a lot today. Um, who's going to feel most hard done by in this result? Because Sterling are sitting second bottom of that league and Gatkin at the top. So before you've even kicked the ball, you're predicting that Gatkin are going to win this. And then within the first, you know, half of the game, they're 2-0 down. Um, and whatever was said at half times made a difference. I don't know. It's tough as well when you watch the highlights of these games. Obviously, I wasn't at the game myself. But when you're watching the highlights, it sh- to me, it seemed like, and again, maybe this, I wouldn't like to say but there's one you know it was one team that provided the highlight so maybe there wasn't enough of the the opposition team in there but it certainly seemed like um Sterling struggled in the second half to to get a grip of the game and it felt like at times there was so much pressure being put on them that they didn't really know what to do with it and only by maybe poor finishing from Gartner on occasion um they managed to get the draw but to be 2-0 up for them again it was it was I think it was a set piece and a penalty Mm -hmm. two set pieces yeah, I think it was for Gartcairn. Yeah, I so and I, I honestly felt, and it's really tough because I mean, who am I to to have my opinion? But the goalkeeper on the penalty for for Sterling will be disappointed. She guessed the right way. She went the right way, and it almost seemed like it went under her shoulder and her head. Um, definitely savable. So, uh, in all fairness, I think Sterling probably would feel most hard done by. But to like I said, to be be up to nil against the league leaders maybe that's a, a sign of the times for them they've they've it's a, it's been a tough ride for Sterling they've always kind of struggled at the bottom of the league and um they've never really found themselves mid to top but maybe it's a sign of the times that's it was a good result until till the second half yeah absolutely as well obviously we got Cairn like the they would have thought that 2-2 draw they would they would maybe have dropped points and maybe even been a couple of teams would have been closer to them, but they've actually ended up three points clear as opposed to two. Obviously, Boromir coming from behind twice to beat Montrose 3-2. Montrose were up twice in the game. Colton McAvoy with a hat-trick for the host as well. That's a massive result for Boromir. Obviously, going behind Montrose will be lo- will have been looking to to get up, obviously put pressure on Gart Cairn, but Colton McAvoy, that's a big hat-trick for her. If there's anything you know about Courtney McAvoy, you know that she is a super competitive. She's incredible in the air, um, good at set pieces. You really be wanting to mark her out the, the game, especially at set pieces. And I think I, I don't know how many of her goals, but I know one of them was certainly from a header. Um, but again, that result would have turned heads because I don't think Baramura would have been um, predicted to take the points from that game. Um, apparently, the game was incredible, and, and Baramura matched them toe to toe right the way through. Um, again, Boromir sitting sixth in that league. Not sure there's there's an awful lot of time to be turning that around, but um, certainly for for uh, Montrose, they'll be disappointed to to drop those points, which sees them now three points behind Gartcairn. It's been a weekend of comebacks in that league as well. St. Johnson were one nil up away to Kilmarnock, but a double from Abby Robertson and Monica Harty gave Kilmarnock the three one win, and obviously they're now sitting in third place. Big three points for Kilmarnock, Abby Robinson, Abby Robinson with a double. Again, just a, a weekend of comebacks and Kilmarnock, they're getting players back. They're, they're beginning to find their feet again. They, they, they struggle with injuries, just getting players back. It's going to do them the world of good going forward. Do you know, again, this is where I come back to earlier, talking about that league. Um, obviously, Gartcairn, it's, it's incredible that Gartcairn and Montrose are, the, are new to that league and they're sitting in the top two positions and you've got your, your teams underneath that 
kind of just hit the same positions as they do most seasons. Um, but, you know, Kilmarnock are a, a really good side. And, you know, I was there with St. Johnson a couple of times myself. It usually starts the same, um, same type of game you get. But I think St. Johnson actually took the lead within, I think it was, was it a, within a minute yeah, in I that game. Yeah, really but in games like that, when you take the lead so early, you then tend will maybe panic a little bit and then uh, remember that you've got, you know, 90 minutes to go, essentially. So I think Kelly have got goal scorers in there. And from my experience against Kelly, it's whether they're um, clinical on the day or not. And if they're not, obviously, it's a bit, it sounds a bit daft, but if they're not clinical, and they, they, they tend to miss a lot of their chances or hit the post quite often. Um, but when they're on it, they're unplayable at times. So I know St Johnston and my friends there will be disappointed with that, especially going one nil up. Um, I think they'd probably like to be sitting higher in that league table this season, um, and probably would admit to dropping points where they'd hope to to not have. But Kilmarnock, you know, they're a good side. I think they've been chasing promotion in SWPL one for a few seasons now. Um, I'm not quite sure that they'll they'll catch up with Gart Cairn, but there's there's still opportunity there, I suppose. Yeah, final game, obviously, another comeback. He's 5 for one now up away to Queen's Park. But, uh, Callahan and our last-minute header from Elna Smith gave Queen's Park a 2-1 win, and they now sit fourth in the league. Again, we just did these comebacks all, all weekend, and the four games, and the, the away side were up, and the, then it just turned completely. But Queen's Park, big one for them. Kind of going under the radar as well. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're again, one of those sides, aren't they, that they don't set the world alight in terms of winning leagues and then they tend to just go under the radar a wee bit. But there's quite a few teams with quality players that um, get the job done, as you said, and go about their business quietly. But I watched I watched the, the set piece there that Queen's Park really scored their header again. I, I think the East Fife goalie will probably feel like she could have done a bit better. I think it bounced in front of her um, and went under her over. I can't remember, but she'll be disappointed with that. I've got... Got friends at East Fife too, and you know where are they? They're sitting bottom of the league. They got zero wins and and four points on the board. I think they would have felt like you know they could have at least gained another draw if not won that game. But it was a, it was a brutal way to, to lose that it's so yeah. close to the end of the game from a set piece. But um, again, East Fife have struggled. I don't know why. Um, played them previously again, and and they've got really young fit players. Um, like I don't. I don't know what it is they've got to do to attract players. Is it because of their, their location? Um, I actually spoke with these five prior to joining Steny, um, but the travel was equally uh, to the distance it was to get to St. Johnston, so I, I edged away from it. But um, they're a good side. And again, I don't know what they need to do to attract players to, to the east of the uh, country to, to try and climb them at that table. But I know they'll be disappointed with that because they, they performed quite well in that game. And to lose it in the last minute always hurts. Yeah, it'll be a solo one as well. And uh, into the championship, we'll start with Livingston four, Air one. Livingston again, they're just they just roll, keep rolling on. Jennifer Dodds with a double, Anderson and Mulligan. They look pretty good to be going up to the up to the next year. Yeah, again, I think this shows how how much I've been around the game. I've got ex teammates in there as well, three or four of them actually, and uh, and ex people as well. So right, okay. uh, they're a good side. I've 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 watched them from the very beginning. Like they're set up was always quite an attract, you know, attracted me to watching to see what was going on there. They've got a whole lot of support from the men's side, which I think does the wonders for the women's game. They've got the stadium there. It's very professional. In terms of that game, I've watched Livy and Air play previously. And again, I've got my mate Claire, who was on the show not, yeah. not long ago, in Air. Um, and I know they would have expected a little bit more um, 
from from themselves in that game. But they lost two quick goals in, in succession. And I think when you're facing a team like Livingston, who are really strong going forward with um, Ashley in there and obviously Brogan as well, um, who I've played with previously, really fast, quick players, uh, know where the back of the net is. When they're so dominant going forward, um, you know, it's it's hard to, to come back when you're 3-1 down. So. Yeah, absolutely as well. Uh, big big thriller at Renfrew as well. 4-3 to Renfrew against Inverness. You certainly would have got your money's worth if you were away on Sunday. You know, it's my, my mate Karen Mason that's the, the gaffer in there. I was speaking to her today and she, I think her words were something along the lines of incredibly frustrated at the amount of chances that they had and um, they didn't put away. I think they felt like they could have, you know, saw that one. Uh, but they made, again, she said that not only did they miss their opportunities, the, the goals that Renfrew scored were all individual errors, apparently. So right. um, I think she was incredibly disappointed at that result. And again, it's a big result in that league. Um, Inverness are sitting fifth and, you know, Renfrew are sitting second. So I think for them, they would have been, Inverness would have been trying to get into the top three. It's going to be a real struggle now for them this season, knowing what they've, what the games they've got to come ahead. But um, Renfrew are a good side again, played against them plenty of times. Good, quick attacking forwards in there, um, pretty solid at the back, and, and very physical side. Inverness are physical as well, but um, aye, they'll definitely be disappointed with that. And, and I know that Inverness definitely feel like they should have got more of it out of it. Yeah, a really entertaining game as well. I think obviously we with both sides when you when it's that kind of game, I don't think I think either side would probably have been. Can I, I think either side would been delighted to win the game and obviously if there's a winner has got to be a loser as well it's just got to, it's just one of the things and I think Inverness I think they're maybe in a false position as well because I think they have shown stages as well they score a lot of goals but I think they concede as well I think that's been their issue as you say can individual errors are kind of their downfall at times but the final result in the championship Hutchie Vale won 4-0 away to Morton you kind of look at this league, obviously, and you just you look at the top three, and there's a thirteen point gap between third and fourth. I think with sides like Hutchie Vale and Ayr and Morton now, it's kind of turned into can we finish best of the rest? Is that maybe fair to say? Um, maybe so. I mean, I, I, I'm surprised that Morton are are not higher in the league than what they are. Um, I've got to meet again Jackie Seagrave who plays in there. She missed a penalty on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, I know for a fact she'll be disappointed with that. Um. She's a fantastic player, got an eye for goal, and and for her to miss a penalty, she'll be she'll be pretty devastated. But that would have changed the game. It would have been two one at that point, and then you've got to ask questions about, you know, what what you can do. But um, Hutchie and another team that I feel are have gone under the radar. They in previous seasons have, um, struggled. In fact, I remember a time not long ago when uh, they were maybe having to fold their team altogether and. Um, very quietly gone about the business. It's a team I don't know much about, but um, they've taken points off Edinburgh City, but not points, sorry, they took Edinburgh City out of the cup most recently, um, and Edinburgh City are another uh, very dominant side in, in the in the league that I'm in. So I think Hutchie are maybe one to watch, in all fairness, in, in the weeks to come, but again, Morton, they'll be wanting to kick on because sitting seventh in a, in a league of eight, they'll not be happy with that. Yeah, absolutely as well. Uh, we'll move on to League One. We had two games over the weekend. Uh, FC Edinburgh, uh, eight points clear now at the top of the league. A 10-0 home victory over Dundee West. Uh, David McLeod and Nick Rutherford with hat-tricks. Double from Mitchell, Markley and Simmons with other goals. You've obviously seen FC Edinburgh this season. They score a lot of goals. They're certainly a, a plus 56 goal difference. I mean, they're, when they're on it, they're very, very clinical. 
Um, it's funny you say we've seen them this season. We actually haven't played them yet this season. We had a we had a, a fixture which was rearranged. It's actually this coming Sunday, um, and then we'll obviously have the the home fixture too, which we've not not obviously played yet. So, mm-hmm. but we have been keeping a very close eye on them. And, and for me, they're a side uh, uh, that the majority of my mates that was at Boroughmuir have went to. So, um, our our fixture this Sunday will certainly be a bit of a grudge match. Um, but they're so incredibly dominant in this league. And like I said, Hutchie Vale are the only team, I think. So Edinburgh Cali drew with them at the beginning of the season, took took points off them um, and obviously got knocked out of the cup by Hutchie. But aside from that, nobody's really been able to get close to them. And um, to be able to catch them for the top spot in this league is something that I know that, that we at Stenhouse Muir are, are making a bit of a target. But um, we have under no illusions whatsoever as to what they can bring. And um, in this league, yes, Dundee West are sitting second bottom, but to score 10 goals... Um, past anyone in this league, to be fair, you know, you it's frightening how good their forward line is. Um, it's one of the things I've chatted about in my own gaffer, you know, in terms of Sunday coming, how we approach our game. But um, we're obviously going to want to go and attack at the same time. You leave these spaces in at the back, um, you leave yourself open. And Edinburgh City, you've got five or six players in there that will capitalise on that. Um, and you'd be daft if you if you you didn't consider that going into a game with them. But Dundee will be devastated. Um, you know, I'm looking at their goal difference at the moment. It's minus 44. It, it maybe was, wouldn't be unexpected playing top of the league and near the bottom. But um, I think Dundee West have probably struggled a bit this season. And, and Edinburgh, um, a 10-0 score doesn't look good in any league. But you know, Edinburgh are a class team, so you can't you can't uh, not expect that to happen. Yeah. And obviously the other result was West Eight one, Falkirk one. Obviously they were second and third. Obviously you you're sitting in fourth. Was a draw the result you wanted out of that? It was. It was, yeah. I was watching that uh, result quite closely. And um I mean I, again myself personally, I missed the Falkirk game through injury, which I was devastated about. Um played West Dyke. Uh, I think I, I missed the first one because I was away at a wedding, but the way game I played. And uh, we went up 1-0, so, and then in the second half, they scored like two or three quick goals, can't remember what the final score was, but both sides are very much of a muchness for me, so I always thought that a draw was maybe on the cards, um, which I'm glad I'm glad happened, because it obviously gives us an opportunity to try and catch yourselves up for that second spot, ideally first, but I think if we're being realistic, um, jumping into that Westlake position in second place would be ideal, so... Yeah, a draw there. I think Falkirk will be a bit frustrated. I think they maybe would have thought that they could um, take all three points from that game. But West Iker, they're a tough, tough uh, side to beat. And myself, obviously, try to go up against our back line and just getting pushed about for pretty much 70 minutes of the game. Um, yeah, they're, they're, it's tough to beat them. So a draw is probably fair. And, and yeah, one I'm glad about, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, you obviously look at that league as well. You look at like second of West Ike, Falkirk, Grampian are in there as well. Uh, is extremely competitive. It's obviously going to be big as well for Stenhouse Muir getting back to competitive action. How how big is the, the second half of the season and what's the kind of aims and targets for the side? So yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be huge. We've had a at the very beginning of the season, so before I joined them, the, the club had had a bit of a um a change in management, change in players. They'd shuffle things about to try and, you know, you know, get get as high up in this league as we possibly could. So they made some changes in different places. Um, and when I went in, obviously I've just been getting to grips with everything. But there wasn't a whole lot of chat with us about what we were to achieve by the first half of the season. 
only that we needed to be in the in the top six for the split or the top half for the split. Um, and we've not there's not really been much pressure from the management in terms of anything else other than obviously try to get maximum points every week. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think having having had a conversation with my gaffer last week, um, we're very much in that state of mind now where every single one of us wants to finish in the top two. Um, we, you know, with a new management coming in, I think it would have been fair to say setting yourself as a target of two or three seasons to, or maybe two seasons to, to get promotion has changed to, right, you know, well, we can do it this season. Or, are we all up for this and we're all going to go for this? And I think that's probably a, something that the girls are starting to get to grips with now is that we can get promotion and, and that's where we want to aim for. Yeah, absolutely as well. And about yourself as well, obviously getting back into playing and things like that, is it the plan for the kind of rest just to play as long as you want? And have you thought about kind of getting into coaching and things like that? Like what's the kind of next steps after playing? You thought about that? Yeah, forcefully thought about that. Um, t- people tend to ask me more now in my lateral years about, you know, what I'll do next and, and um, would I ever consider going into a coaching role? They asked me that at St Johnston and uh, Murdo that was in there at the time, I think, got a shock when I responded. But um, I asked him whether he felt that, that it was time I, I should go into the coaching role. And he was like, no, no, no. I just thought, you know, could we maybe get you in and do a bit of both? But I think for myself, being a PE teacher, I, I teach every day, all day long. Yeah. I think when I get to um, the evenings, it's it's ten has been up to this point, certainly, um, about my time and how I, you know, get my kick, so to speak. And it's always been through playing. I wouldn't say I'd never consider it, but I think for me, I'm so competitive. I'm I'm so driven still. I might not have the the physical attributes that maybe I once had to 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 play what I used to play like, but for me, it's still in playing. So for as long as I possibly can, I think that's going to be my aim. Um, until a gaffer comes along and says, right, you're on the bench, so your opportunity is to coach or or leave. Um, but no, I don't think for me, coaching is going to be a priority. Um. But ask me again when nobody signs me, then I'll come back to you. Yeah. Helen, it's been an absolute pleasure to get through the results and obviously talk to you as well. Thank you very much for coming on and best of luck for the season ahead and the, the rest of your career. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to be on and uh, uh, good luck for the rest of the season with everything and thanks again for having me. Thank you very much. Thank you very much everyone that's tuned in. Please follow our uh, social media channels for consistent women's football coverage and as always, subscribe to our YouTube and podcast channels for a new show every week on the women's game. Thank you very much. We'll see you soon. Cheers.